What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Wiregrass High School Football Report brought to you by the radio people. This is your weekly look at all things high school football in the Wiregrass. I am your host, Philip Jordan, the in-studio host and producer for Dutch Wolves Football on 969. The legend. Hope everybody had a fantastic Labor Day weekend. It was a once again a busy week in high school football with week two coming together on Friday night with region play all over the place. And on this week's edition of the show, a little bit different, no coach interview on this week's edition, but I have reached in the archives of some of my past interviews on some another podcast I used to do called The Football Report, and I will be replaying a interview I had in 2018 with Willie Tullis. Headland legend, Troy, football legend, and he played in the National Football League as well, most notably for the Houston Oilers. So I will play that at the end of the episode. That's a good 20-minute conversation we had back in 2018. I think you will enjoy it. And look, Willie Tulsa from the Wiregrass. And he is one of the, the legends that come out of this area and make it to the National Football League. So I think you will enjoy that conversation. Before we jump into the results from Friday night and look ahead to this week's games, let you guys know you can find me in the podcast. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and 969thelegend.com, 955.tvy.com, 1067kmx.com. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. If you leave a review, I will read it on a future edition of the show. You can find me on social media at pjordansec, and you can always email me at sports.fieldjordan at gmail.com. Now, let's go around the wiregrass. Now, let's kick things off in AISA Class A. Lowndes Academy defeated Abbeville Christian 42-7, to and that was kicking off region play for them as well in AISA. And when you look at the standings, that does put Abbeville Christian with the one loss down in the sixth position. Uh, fifth position, excuse me, in the region. Uh, leading up that region is Crenshaw Christian, Lowndes Academy, and Lakeside, all at 1-0. and In 1A Region 1, Sampson defeated Florala 30-20. Josh Lowry and Braxton Brooks both combined for 362 yards on the ground in that game and four touchdowns. Brantley defeated Kinston 34-0, and Pleasant Home defeated Georgiana 26-20. So then we look at 1A Region 1, their standings, you have a four-way tie. All at 1-0 with Sampson, Brantley, Pleasant Home, and Red Level. Then McKenzie, Kenson, Florella, Georgiana are all 0-1 apiece there in 1A Region 1. In 2A Region 2, Ayrton defeated Houston Academy, Houston County, excuse me, 49-0, which Ayrton is now 3-0 on the season. Houston County falls to 2-1 there. Jordan Smith and Corey Dozier both combined for 269 yards and four touchdowns. Number three, Geneva County defeated Cottonwood 28-12. Geneva County is now 2-0 on the year, and Cottonwood falls to 1-2 on the season. Emmanuel Henderson had 342 yards and four touchdowns in the game, and Cottonwood played a really solid first half there. I remember keeping up with it in the studio there during the Dothan Wolves Enterprise game. Cottonwood had a 12-6 early there in the first half, uh, but Geneva County pulled away there in the second GW Long defeated number five Elba thirty-five to six. So GW Long, that was their first game of the year. They did not play the first two weeks. Uh, they are one and zero, and Elba drops to two and one on the season. GW Long held a twenty-one to sixteen early lead in the fourth before GW Long distance there in the uh, fourth quarter. Uh, Trevor Morris had a big game, ninety-eight yards rushing, two touchdowns, and he also had a kickoff return for a touchdown as well. Number six Abbeville defeated Zion Chapel forty-eight to eighteen. Abbeville is now 1-1 one one on the year, and Zion Chapel falls to 0-2. Jalen Dozier had 185 yards and four touchdowns for the Yellow Jackets in that one. And we look at the standings for 2A Region 2. 
You have a three-way tie at 1-0 between Ayrton, Geneva County, and GW Long. Abbeville is also 1-0, so excuse me, it's a four-way tie. And then four-way tie for, you know, last place uh, with Elba, Houston County, Cottonwood, Zion Chapel, all 0-1 to start with region play in 2A Region 2. Now let's head up to 3A Region 2. Houston Academy defeated Delville 50-6. So Houston Academy improves to 2-1. And, and Delville is 0-3 on the year. Op defeated New Brockton 27-0. Op went, uh, is now 2-1 on the year. New Brockton is 2-1. Terry Davis for Op had 129 yards and 3 touchdowns. Whitsburg defeated Providence 20-0. Slocum defeated Northside in a non-region game 37-0. Colin Thomas, the quarterback for Slocum, had 207 yards and two touchdowns. And running back Jalen Nobles had 136 yards on eight attempts and two touchdowns. So when you look at the standings over in 3A Region 2, and the standings thing, we're going to try to keep you updated each and every week now that we're in region play where everybody stands when it comes to their, you know, in the standings and playoff races and stuff like that. Uh, Houston Academy, Op, and Whitsburg are all 1-0 and all 2-1 overall. So they head the top of 3A Region 2. Slocum has not played a region game, so they're in the middle there at 0-0, but they are 1-1 overall. Then you have New Broughton, Providence, and Delville all at 0-1 in region play. All right, 4A Region 2 teams that are involved in the Wiregrass. Dale County defeated Asher 36-14, so Dale County goes to 2-1 on the year. Asher drops to 0-2. Geneva defeated Booker T. Washington 47-36, so Geneva improves to 2-1 on the season. And in the standing, Strawn is on top so far at 1-0, 3-0 overall. But right behind them, also 3-0, Dale County and Geneva, and also St. James. So those teams are all 1-0 in the region. And we drop down with Asher. They are 0-1, and there's a a four-way tie there. So you see that a lot. It's the first week of region play, so you're going to have a bunch of 1-0 teams, a bunch of 0-1 teams. So all that's, obviously this order is going to change as the season goes on. But Ashford 0-1, 0-2 tied in the, you know, the second half, I guess you would say, of 4A Region 2 there. In 5A Region 2, Greenville defeated Charles Henderson 25-10. to So Charles Henderson drops to 0-2 on the year. On Thursday night, Pike Road defeated Carroll 42-7. to Carroll drops to 0-2. Andalusia defeated Rehoboth. 45 to 6. Both teams are 2 and 1 now. And Seminole County, Georgia defeated Headland 18 to 14. Obviously a non-region game there. Headland falls to 1 and 2 on the season. And we look at the standings. Top two teams right now are two of the top teams are Greenville and Pike Road. Both are 3 and 0, 1 and 0 in region. And Alusia, they are 1 and 0, 2 and 1. So they're tied with those two on top. Headland has not played a region game yet, so they're 0 and 0. Then you have Rehoboth. Carroll and Charles Henderson all at 0-1 sitting there in those bottom three spots in 5A Region 2. All right, 6A Region 2. Of course, there's only one team in that region from the Wiregrass, and that is Eufaula. Uh, and they failed to lead Montgomery 17-10. On Friday night, Eufaula is now 1-2 on the year. And then when you look at 6A Region 2, you have Lee Montgomery, Carver, Opelika, and Park Crossing. They're all 1-0 of the top half of the region then the second half of the region russell county city linear valley and eufaula they're all 0-1 7a region 2 enterprise defeated dothan 48 14 that's only two two teams in the wiregrass that are in 7a region 2 enterprise improves to 3-0 in the year dothan is 1-1 a year because remember that first one, bob jones didn't count for director like a preseason jamboree deal but they are 1-1 on the season it was 21-7 at halftime uh, Dothan was hoping to be 14-7. Enterprise got that score toward the end there, the first half. And then 
Enterprise offensively was really good this whole game. I mean, Dothan really had no answers for them. Uh, they scored on eight of 11 possessions. They had 444 total yards, 431 on the ground. Michael Johnson, Marty Griffin, running backs, both had three touchdowns apiece for Enterprise. And, of course, you would have heard the first half on I-69, the legend. Uh, apologize, there was a power outage. Uh, we lost power at the station. So if you were listening on 96.9 Friday night, for Dothan Enterprise, that's why you didn't hear a big chunk of the second half because we just lost power at the station. I think it was around three minutes left in the game when we finally got back on the air. Uh, we did so. You were able to hear the post-game show if you just hung around or kept flicking back. And then also, uh, the po- like I said, the post-game and the scoreboard show was on there as well. So when you look at the standings in 7A Region 2, Auburn, Central Fix City, Enterprise, all are 1-0 to start. Jeff Davis did not p- play this week. Uh, they're 0-0 and 0-2, uh, so they have not played a region game yet. Prattville, Dothan, and Smith Station all are 0-1 apiece there on that side. So all that will get cleared up in the next few weeks, and all these all these standings will be, be changing week in and week out. And just for people interested, Auburn did defeat Prattville 20-14, and then Central defeated uh, Smith Station 56-0. So that is your results, your standings from this past week of games in week two of high school football in the Wiregrass. Now uh, let's go ahead in a different order. So the archived interview I'm going to play with Willie Tullis will play at the very end. So next up, let's look at the schedule for week three of high school football in the Wiregrass. So looking at the schedule of week three here in the Wiregrass, can't believe we're all in week three. Really, you think about it, it's week four technically. Uh, but we are going into uh, week three because the week zero deal. But it's the fourth week of the season. So one A Region One in week three, you'll have Sampson at two and one playing Pleasant Home, who is one and one. Brantley one and zero will be at McKenzie, who is one and one. Red Level at one and one will be at Kinston, who is one and two on the season. Georgiana is zero and three on the year. They will be at Florala, who is zero and two on the season. So two teams there trying to get their first win of the season. Two A Region Two. This is going to be a big one, and this one I'm going to be keeping extra attention on during the broadcast for the for the scoreboard show at halftime and post game this Friday on ninety six nine. The Legend. Geneva County at two and zero will be at Ayrton at three and zero. Houston County two and one will be at GW Long, who is one and zero. Abbeville one and one will be at Cottonwood, who is one and two. Elba two and one will be at Zion Chapel, who is zero and two on the season. Three A Region two, you'll have Houston Academy two and one at Op, who is also two and one. In a non-region game, you'll have Northside Methodist zero and three at Whitsburg, who is two and one. Providence Christian one and, at one and two will be at Slocum, who is one and one. New Broughton at two and one will be at Delville, who is zero and three on the season. In 4A Region 2, you'll have Ashford at 0-2 at Strawn, who is 3-0 on the year and leading 4A Region 2 at the moment. Dale County at 2-1 will be at Geneva, who is also 2-1. So that'll be a very interesting game to keep an eye on as well. Two good teams playing right there. In 5A Region 2, you'll have Greenville 3-0 at Headland, who is 1-2. Andalusia 2-1 will be at Pike Road, who is 3-0 on the year. And then you'll have Carroll at 0-2 playing at Rehoboth, who is 2-1. All right, in at 6A Region 2, Ufala at 1 and 2 will be at Opalaka, who is 1 and 2 as well. And in at 7A Region 2, Davison 1 and 1 will be at Enterprise, who is 3 and 0. Now, Davison, they are a 7A team, but this is not a 7A Region 2 matchup. They're in 7A Region 1, so this is not won't count in the standings for region play 
when it comes to Enterprise. And then Dothan will be at Auburn, who is 3-0 on the year. Dothan's 1-1. And, of course, you can listen to this game on 969 The Legend this Friday night. We'll start pregame show at 645, and kickoff is at 7. So you can check out Jerry Coleman and Ken Lambert on the call, and I will be back at the studio keeping you up to date on all scores going around Wiregrass, and you can listen to it on your radio dial, or you can download the app over on 96.9 The Legend. Uh, just look it up on your Android or Apple devices. You can find the app, and you can also find this podcast on the app as well. So please go and do that, and uh, give us a listen this Friday night. So that's all the the schedule for this Friday, and as promised, I am going to play a 2018 interview I had with Willie Tullis. Of course, he played for Headland in high school. He played for Troy in college where he played quarterback, and he was a defensive back and kick returner in the National Football League. One of the teams he played for was the Houston Oilers. So, like I said, this interview is from 2018. Just let y'all guys know that. This is not a, a recent interview, but I thought it's a pretty cool interview since I didn't have a coach for this week's show. I would play this one for you guys. I hope you enjoy my 2018 interview with Willie Tellis. Everybody, my first guest on this week's edition of the Football Report is Willie Tellis. He was a, one of the greatest Troy Trojan quarterbacks of all time, an eight-year NFL veteran playing for the Houston Oilers from 1981 to 1984, the New Orleans Saints, 1985-1986, and the Indianapolis Colts from 1987-1986. 1987-1988. Uh, Willie, uh, thanks again for uh, taking some time out to be on this edition of the Football Report. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on here. Great to have uh, guys that played the game get your perspective on what it was like, you know, playing the game at that high of a level and uh, just, you know, stuff, you know, you remember and all the great stories. It's, it's always great to hear those from former players like yourself. Well, it was first of all is 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 an honor to be able to play at that highest level through the NFL, and uh, it takes a lot of work. It took a lot of work, a lot of prayers, and uh, just consistency, mm-hmm. uh, just like it would be to do anything else. You know, if you're going to be a great carpenter, then you have to put your work in. If you're going to be a good teacher, you got to prepare yourself, and if you're a good preacher, you got to prepare. So. The NFL is nothing uh, 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 less. You, you've got to put your work in. And it's a, a privilege and an honor to be on this uh, podcast with you today. I, I appreciate the uh, kind words. You know, I want to start off, you know, you're, you're playing days in a, you know, at Headland. Uh, play for a legendary coach and uh, Coach Cheryl Singleton, who in 2010 went into the Wiregrass Hall of Fame yourself in 1999. Just uh, what was it like uh, back then playing there at Headland and playing uh, for Coach Singleton? Uh, <laughs> coach Singleton. He was an easygoing guy, and he was a uh, uh, just a really good guy. I never heard him say a one <laughs> bad word, not one. And after playing with him for two years and uh, then going to college and playing for uh, uh, late college coach Charlie Brasher, I was like day and night. I heard things and saw things that I never thought I would see (laughs) on here, on the college level. It was no more high school. So uh, playing uh, high school was just excellent. I loved every minute of it. I I would sleep, eat breathe football 
And, boy, I tell you, that's what kept me going was high school football. It was nothing like it, man. I, those Friday night lights, I couldn't wait for them to come. And um, it was it was really great. And uh, that's why I started playing quarterback for Kent Frazier. And we had some good times. Yeah, uh, play quarterback. Was there any um, players or anybody, you know, back at the end that you like looked to, kind of like you maybe patterned your game after or you looked up to? Um, boy, it was so many guys. Uh, uh, Alabama had, uh, back in those days, they ran wishbone and, and we ran the option. So those were things that, uh, I, I've learned some of their, uh, ways of, and tricks of running the option. Richard Todd and Jeff Rutledge and, and, uh, Condridge Holloway was a guy, and I don't know if many of the, the older ones, uh, uh, listeners might know of Country Holloway. He was uh, probably the first black quarterback in the Southeast Conference, and he played with Tennessee. And I think mm-hmm. Country, he either won the Heisman or he finished. Uh, I'm not quite sure. He finished. He finished in the top two or three somewhere in there. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, that was somewhat one that I really looked up to. Also, you know, and, and you look at the way it is with. You know, high school to college nowadays. I mean, recruiting is such a big thing. It's all over internet, television. You know, you know, where people, you know, kids are going before they go. Uh, back then, what was the recruiting process like for you? Um, I'm trying to see how. I, I think it's um, it, it, it was interesting. Back in those days, of course, you didn't have social media where they couldn't contact you. Uh, a plus you didn't have cell phones, so they could get your number and call you. So everything filtered through your administrative office at your school. And uh, sometimes I could get, I would get mail uh, 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 in the mail. But usually all of my letters in contact went through the school, and they got them, and I read them and fill out questionnaires and would send them back. And then we would start communicating by by phone. Um, but what what I think today is that if you're an athlete, if you can play at all, uh, there's so much information out, and they can they have so much, so many ways of finding, discovering guys. Until if you have talent, you don't have anything to worry about. It's not a coach's responsibility. Secondly, to get your kid a scholarship, I, I hear a lot of parents, and they say what the coach didn't do, and it's not about the coach. Uh, the, the, the head football coach, of course, if he wants to, if, if, if he puts a good word in for your kid or, or provide them whatever information they need, but ultimately it falls back on that kid, period. It's your kid's responsibility to get his scholarship. And on top of that, when Nick Saban or whoever is recruiting the kid, uh, they're going to look at that person. And if they're signing people that can't play on their team or play on that level, guess what's going to happen? That high school football coach that you're mad at or pissed off about that didn't get your son a scholarship, the colleges are not going to fire him. They're going to fire that coach in college that signed that kid that can't play. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I say don't get it twisted, uh, listeners. <laughs> it's, your son, it's your son's responsibility and your son only our daughter to get that scholarship, not the coach. And and on top of that, 
Hey, let me put that in here. If you're waiting on the coach to get that kid a scholarship, he's not very good anyway. It, it, now, repeat that. If you're waiting on the coach and you're thinking the coach should get that kid a scholarship, he's not, that kid is not very good anyway. Did no coach get me my scholarship? Willie Tullis got it. Yeah, and yeah, and you, you you go on to Troy State and just you know how how good is that you know being able to play you know you're playing quarterback position you're playing close to home just, how how important was that you know playing at home playing close to home? It was like every game was a home. Well, every game I played home was it was just great. You know, my parents was able to go to every home game and brothers and sisters and a lot of classmates and. Uh, and uh, it's just something special about Troy. Um, it's, it's a football tradition. It's, it's uh, a school that has a long history of good winning football. And uh, it, was just, it was just awesome with the relationships that I formed at Troy. Also, guys from Mobile and Montgomery, Birmingham. And, and uh, we practiced together, man. We... We sweated. I mean, we cried together after big losses, and and we tried really, really hard. And those guys worked hard, and we had very, very good coaching there. Uh, uh, we didn't have the talent, I say, uh, on the line, defensive and offensive line that a lot of schools had. If we had, uh, you know, uh, much bigger talent. We could have went further in the playoffs. I believe we was we was pretty small, but guys was quick and they had a lot of heart. Yeah, and you know, and, and that level, you know, that you play off. I mean, now you eventually see, you know, big time college football playing in the playoffs. Just uh, how fun was that? Just you know, being in a playoff game or going to a playoffs, you know, versus you know, the bowl situation that you have uh, with FBS now. Well. Uh, we missed the playoffs by one game in Troy my senior year, so we didn't make it to playoffs. But we were we were eight and two, um, seven and three, seven and four, or something like that. And uh, we were so close the last game. And um, uh, one, I tell you one incident, one thing that happened the very last game we played against our rival was Jacksonville State, and. Uh, I had had a, I was having a super year, as well as my junior year. My junior year I was most valuable uh, offensive player in the conference. That was the Gulf South Conference. The next year I was on pace, and I was leading it, and and I was playing at All American status, and I wound up the season uh, making All American and Offensive Player of the Year. So we bus up to Jacksonville, and beautiful week, hadn't rained all week. And uh, we even went on the practice field the day before, but that's what you do is you walk out and have a little walk through practice. We go out there game day, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and the field is soaked, absolutely soaking wet. Hadn't rained, not a cloud in the sky. (laughs) And that was, uh, I think that determined the game. Uh, It slowed me down. It slowed us down. We were the team with speed. Uh, my legs were very important. And, um, boy, we call the quarterback draw, I remember, the first half. And that's been one of the plays I scored 63 yards uh, on a 63-yard uh, run at, at a game in Troy a couple weeks before that. 
you drop back and 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 it's like you receivers go downfield, your linemen's pass block, but they open up, they push the linemen to the side when you drop back and you just run right down the middle. I went sixty three yards. We ran the same play in Jacksonville. It was about on our forty or fifty yard line going in. And when I dropped back and tried to plant, my legs just start spinning like a car in mud. And I hit the <laughs> ground. And, and uh, you know, we wound up losing that game by three points or so. Um, and and, and it, was, it was really uh, heartbreaking uh, for us as a team. And I guarantee you, it wasn't a dry eye in that locker room after the game. And uh, for many of us, that was our last game, and we got so close. And just to think that how we lost that game, and I'm not going to put it all on the wet field because they had to play on it too, but this field, that's one of the most tackiest things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think my people that watch college athletics you know, and high school athletics too don't look at it. You know, first, like I said, the last game, you know, you lose like that. I mean, for a lot of people, you know, a lot of players don't go on to play professional football. So that's the last time they will play the sport and organized version of the sport. So it's got to be tough uh, in a game like that, like you said, to lose that way, especially for the guys who know that was their final game. Uh, yes, yes, yes. It, 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 it felt like, well, of course, uh, I wanted to go to the playoffs really, really bad. Uh, I didn't, know, I didn't know what the future, had, you know, held for me, you know, and, um, and, and, and so it, it, it really hurt, you know, not to go to playoff four years. I only went to playoff one year in high school and, um, for being drafted, I had no clue or no idea that I would be drafted. Um, I didn't even know what I make a team or not. I didn't know anything about, I love watching professional football, but. For me, uh, thinking that I I had a chance to make a team or something, that was my wildest dream. To say it lightly, because I just had, had no idea, you know, where I stood with all that, and really didn't care at that time. Yeah, you know, talking about you know getting drafted, the draft process, you know, it's so it's like recruiting, you know, now too is so televised. Now it's a, it's a big thing. Me, the NFL TV ratings, got, you know shoot through the roof with the NFL draft. But uh, do you remember uh, how you were told and how you found out you were drafted by the Houston Oilers? Uh, yes, I, I remember exactly. Uh, they had two-day draft, uh, but like they do now, I think it's a two-day, maybe a three-day now. But I remember thinking that I was, it was 12 rounds back then when I was uh, drafted. And uh, all the reports that I was getting leading up to the draft was that I would be going the third or fourth round. They did the first eight rounds the first day, and I didn't get drafted the first day. And I was I was pretty disappointed um, and, 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 and upset. So I, I stayed out of class to, you know, to find out where I was going and be available at the phone because they tell you to wait by the phone. And... Um, so I ne- never got that phone call. So I said, forget this. Trust uh, <laughs> me. Forget this. I'm going to class. So I went to class the next day, and and uh, I, someone came and uh, told me, gave me the message, and gave me the Houston Oilers. They used drafted by, uh, 
about Houston Dollars or something. And uh, so uh, I was pretty happy to hear that and, and uh, called them up. And the head coach said, congratulations, and we drafted you, and uh, we need you to uh, be here next week. I said, oh, whoa, whoa. I said, thank you very much, but I've got another month of school. And so he said, well, okay, well, go ahead and finish this quarter semester, and uh, we'll see you a week after. Ooh, so I had a week to celebrate after school, and I said, on <laughs> but I was excited about it. I was really, really excited knowing that I was going out to play with Earl Campbell and uh, be playing in an Astrodome and just had an opportunity to, to uh, 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 at least have an opportunity to uh, um, make a professional football team. Yeah, you know, so you go on the NFL and there you transition to kick returning and defensive back. How was that transition from playing quarterback to now going over to the defensive side of the ball? Oh, it's crazy. It was absolutely crazy. <laughs> I haven't played play defensive back in, since high school, and, and you can't compare playing defensive back in high school to playing defensive back in the pros. Mm-hmm. So it, it was like day and night. Uh, it was a lot to learn. Um, it looks simple and easy, but it's not. And... Um, it, it, it was about learning different techniques, and you plan to get some world-class athletes over there, first of all. There's some of the best athletes in the world over playing wide receiver. And you have somehow, you have, you have to compete against them. And so you have to really up your game. You have to learn quick. And, boy, I tell you, uh, uh, I paid my dues that first <laughs> summer in camp and the next year, boy, they, they were turning me every which way but loose. And uh, <laughs> I had a coach that stuck with me and uh, and just uh, had confidence in me. And, and I, I began to show some progress after that first year and wound up starting my second year. Was there a, was there a receiver then that you really looked forward to getting to cover? A receiver that I look forward to covering? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> the ones that you look forward to covering, and the ones that think you, the ones that you would think that you would have an off day with, those are the ones that turn you inside out. Those are the ones that get you beat and get you cut. So that's one thing I learned early in my career is, is to uh, be careful and the receivers that you know doesn't have speed or. Uh, flashy, those are receivers you really have to focus on because when you relax on NFL players, you get beat. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, if you, when you relax on any level, you get beat. And, uh, you know, something uh, when I was you know prepping for our conversation, I noticed the uh, first game returned to kickoff or a touchdown uh, against the Rams. All of you guys have beat them 27-20. Just what was that feeling like? Your first game, 95 yards, you go for a touchdown. Wow, uh, probably my most happiest moment in, in all of eight years, and it was it was uh, wow, it was crazy. It was it was it was like something that you would uh, 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 draw up or something that you you would make a movie about or something because 
I don't know if life can even prepare you for a moment like that. The game tied late in the game at twenty to twenty, and and uh, and they kicked the ball, and I run a ninety-five yard touchdown back with, I think it was like twenty-something seconds to go in the game, and uh, it, it was it, it was strange how it all happened because I wasn't supposed to be in that spot. And I guess sometimes God does for us what we can't do for ourselves, and mm-hmm. and and open doors that we can't even open. Because, like I said, I wasn't supposed to be in that spot. The guy that was in that spot all preseason and was supposed to be in there during the regular season game hurt his shoulder the last preseason game. We played four games, and that, and so they moved. They bumped me up to start the season, and. Um, Needless to say, he didn't get the job back. Thank <laughs> God. I hate to, hate to wish one man uh, 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 bad luck or anything. And, I, and trust me, I didn't wish it on on him. But um, it, it, it was it was just uh, I don't know how it happened. You know, I just did what I do and and, and just tried to uh, do my assignment. You catch the ball, you start everything up the middle, and then you break left or right, and it just opened up. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So uh, when you look at you know the rest of your NFL career, is there any other moments like that that stood out to you or any big takeaways you had from your time in the National Football League? Um, a couple of, couple of things. You always um, – one of the things that uh, really stood out to me is when I would play against guys that I played with in college. Uh, Virgil Say was a guy that played – wide receiver Washington Redskins and you know just to see him and hugging uh, another guy Hanford Dixon I played over at Southern Miss for the first year Hanford was a first round defensive back just to see him and and a couple other guys that played at Southern Miss and Curtis McGriff who played the Giants and I get to see Curtis and you know just seeing those guys on the field uh, was just outstanding to see someone from this area you know, on a, on an NFL team, and you you, you and you playing against them, and um, there were just so many moments. You, you, you know, it was just it, it was just an honor to to uh, go out and compete on Sundays. Um, practice was interesting because you had to compete in practice every day, also because if you didn't if you didn't uh, show up in practice and uh, and perform. Then you, you know, everything else was downhill. So just, mm-hmm. just preparing during the week and uh, and and going out and, and competing was just every day. That was just a, a thrill for me. And you know, uh, fast forward to now. You know, uh, we're in here 2018. But uh, uh, what are you up to nowadays? Well, uh, I bought me a place in the Wildgrass area in Midland City, and I've been retired uh, about uh, five years now. And um, I uh, I uh, love the outdoors. I love fishing. I love playing a little golf. Uh, I still love football, and I, 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 I'm obsessed with high school football and as well as college football. Um, and so I be I'm looking forward to look, uh, watching a, uh, a lot of football this fall coming up on the primarily high school and college. 
Oh yeah, me too. I, football season is my favorite time of the year. Uh, I live and breathe following the sport year round, and uh, uh, I just got to say this: I told you before we got recording. Uh, I told you when I started. I appreciated uh, you coming on and coming and talk, telling your stories. Uh, tell us about playing in high school, college, and, and the pros. I really appreciate it. And this has been a lot of fun talking to you about football. No problem. Thanks a lot, Philip. Everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of the Wiregrass High School Football Report. Thanks again for making this show a part of your day. And uh, please go over to 969thelegend.com, 955.tvy.com, or KMX, 1067kmx.com to uh, listen to the show. Of course, you can listen to it on the apps as well. And, of course, the app on Apple Podcast. And please subscribe, rate, and review. If you leave a review, I will read it on a future edition of the show and you can always follow me on social media at p jordan sec and you can always email me at sports talk jordan at gmail.com hope everybody has a great rest of your week and i'll talk to you guys on friday night during the dothan wolves auburn broadcast on 99 legend and next week right here on the wiregrass high school football report